Good morning and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian Church. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. We are located in beautiful Uptown Columbus on the corner of 11th and 1st. We would love for you to join us for worship or just stop by and say hello. At First Presbyterian Church, we welcome you with grace and gratitude for God's love. Can ask all who are able to please stand for our first lesson. It is from Psalm, it is Psalm 25, the entire Psalm, written in a time of discouragement, meant to be a source of encouragement and relying on the Lord. Listen now to the Word of God. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be put to shame. Do not let my enemies exult over me. Do not let those who wait for you be put to shame. Let them be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord, and teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation, and for you I wait all day long. Be mindful of your mercy, O Lord, and of your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. And he leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep His covenant and His decrees. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who are they that fear the Lord? He will teach them the way that they should choose, and they will abide in prosperity, and their children shall possess the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear Him, and he makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and bring me out of my distress. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes, and with what violent hatred they hate me. O guard my life and deliver me. Do not let me be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. And may integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O Lord, out of all of its troubles. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Again, invite those who are able to please stand for our second lesson from Matthew's Gospel going to be reading from my own Bible, which is New American Standard, because I'll be making reference to this. Um, it's, it's old, it's got duct tape, and like I've said before, I'm sure there's a redneck joke in there somewhere. And listen now to the Word of God. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him, 
And behold, there arose a great storm in the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves, but he himself was asleep. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you timid, you men of little faith? And then he arose and rebuked the waves of the sea, and the wind became perfectly calm. And the men marveled, saying, What kind of man is this, that even the winds of the sea obey him? And when he had come to the other side, into the country of the Gerardines, two men who were demon-possessed met him as they were coming out of the tombs. And they were so exceedingly violent that no one could pass by that road. And behold, they cried out, saying, What do we have to do with you, Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now there was at a distance from them a herd of many swine feeding. And the demons began to entreat him, saying, If you're going to cast us out, send us into the herd of swine. And he said to them, Be gone. And they came out and went into the swine, and behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and perished in the waters. And the herdsmen ran away and went to the city and reported everything, including the incident of the demoniacs. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they entreated him to depart from their region. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. So I continue looking at the chapters and the incidents that followed the Sermon on the Mount. Last time I preached, we looked at uh, Jesus um, healing some people from a distance and um, from, um, from defilement in terms of the leprosy. And then he keeps on his way, and a funny thing happens along the way to the next point. If we could just sit back, have a cup of coffee or Coca-Cola or whatever, we think we'd have an interesting conversation of the odd things that have happened to you as you went from point A to point B. You have a planned business meeting. You've got your agenda in front of you. Your mind is actually already on items one, two, and three and somebody comes alongside and distracts you and brings you in another direction. What you think is going to be just a simple routine, quote-unquote simple routine, of getting children to school is thrown askew by some last-minute uh, change in schedule, a phone call, an assignment that has been forgotten. Preparing for this, I thought of what was one of my oddest incidents, and it actually happened late 80s, I was living in Greenville, North Carolina. That's the eastern part of the state. It's Good Friday, and I'm driving back to Hickory, where my, where my family is. And I stop off in Winston-Salem to see my Aunt Herbie and, and Uncle Sam. I had done that before, thinking it's going to add just an hour to the trip, drive over, visit a little bit, get in the car, and come back. Well, I drove up to their land, and they live on what's the left of a family farm, and my aunt is out there walking the horse. The night before, she had gone to serve um, as an elder at a communion service, a Monday Thursday service, and she didn't quite get the latch closed. And so the horse had eaten horse food and goat food and sheep food and was colicking. 
And so she was keeping the horse walking while they waited for the veterinarian who was scheduled to come. And so she and I visited while she walked the horse. And then my cousin drove up. She was engaged, and she got out of the car, and she said, I've called off the engagement. It's over. Okay. So I end up, I've known this cousin. I mean, she's just nine months older than me, known her for years, grown up with her. And so it was kind of natural to kind of be with the family at this time. What was going to be just a simple kind of drop in and say hello visit became several hours and one meal later, I am on the road. Years later, I asked my cousin, I said, I don't know which catastrophe was worse, the broken engagement or the horse was colicked. And she said, oh, that's easy. It had to be the horse. You can always get another man. But do you know how much a horse costs? that one. A funny thing happened on the way. And a funny thing happened on the way uh, for the disciples as they're following Jesus and they're out on the boat on the Sea of Galilee. I did some research trying to find out, first time I've actually done this, about the size of the Sea of Galilee. To kind of get an idea, start on 185 at Fort Benning and drive north. When you get just a little north of the William Street exit, number 12, when you're basically at mile 13, you've gone north-south on the Sea of Galilee. And then I want you to think in your mind this church and get onto 11th, get over to Winton, take Macon Road, go out like you're going to see somebody at Covenant Woods or go to my second home, the soccer fields. That's about eight miles across, I'm going to say, Imagine that is going from one side to the other. It's oval. It's the same area, size area, as Lake Martin, but just different, more of an oval. Being near hills, all, there's a bit of a microclimate that's created there, and winds can come down and weep up, whip up, weep up, whip up the storms, whip up of the waves, and make it very scary for folks. And that's exactly what has happened. He got into their boats, and there arose a great storm in the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves, but he himself was asleep. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. They are in the midst of a storm, and they are scared. Now, the interesting thing is these are fishermen. This is their second home. They know something about storms. They happen on the Sea of Galilee. They were used to dealing with your typical average storm. But on this day, it got something that surprised even them. So I forget, it must have been really, really scary. Images of the movie The Perfect Storm come to mind, or even Titanic, in terms of thinking, fears of things sinking. And there they are, and they are scared, and Jesus is asleep. In fact, in Mark's Gospel it says... His head was on a pillow, completely relaxed. And Jesus said to them, Why are you timid, you men of little faith? And then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and it became perfectly calm. And the men marveled, saying, What kind of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? There was a crisis and they cried out to him. 
He called to the waves, and there was calm. We have seen Jesus in the previous week show power over distance and disease and defilement. And now we see power over the deep, and soon we'll see power over demons. He is able to calm the storms of life. And there are many ones that come to mind. Periodic financial struggles, trying to make ends meet, a big purchase that comes along and has to be resolved. Personal struggles in your life, an addiction, a habit that you're trying to break or trying to beat. There are relationships with people, uh, close relationships that become broken or are strained. Or even a friend in life having a challenge and you're just trying to be there for that friend. Just the past week, conversations with, with two different ones. One friend, he, he has a temporary job, it pays the bills, but it's not the work for which he is prepared and he is trying to find regular work. Another friend is an entrepreneur and started a new business. And it, it's going, it's launching, it's going well, but it's not quite where it needs to be. Um, though all systems go. I mean, it looks positive, but it's still a bit of a storm for him. Some storms are wilder than others. There are storms of health. For some, there are chronic health concerns. For some, there are particular diseases. I think of uh, people in real estate and consulting have often heard the phrase, it's either feast or famine. And some days it's just great. There's one deal after another to be made. And then sometimes this goes through a stretch. And that phone gets awfully silent. And you wonder, is somebody going to call? Is something going to happen? There are many kinds of storms that we face. And if you think I'm forgetting one of the storms, don't worry. I'm going to get to that one later in the service. I promise. But what follows... For the disciples, it's like going from the fire to the frying pan. They get to the other side, to this very strange land for them, an area called the Decapolis. That's one of the names given to it. Ten cities, varied actually in numbers, but originally ten cities that are outposts of Greco-Roman culture. The language is Greek. The temples are Greek and Roman. The stadiums are Roman in their style. An individual could go from Rome to one of those cities, and while, yes, that person would say, I'm in the sticks, but the sticks would look awfully familiar. This is completely alien for a Jewish person, even though it's just um, eight miles across the lake. Last summer, I was in Detroit, and despite the struggles in that city, they've got a wonderful uh, riverfront, riverwalk. And I was there, and looking across the river, it was Canada a whole nother country. Or even as I was pondering this and thought humorously, only seven miles separate the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill and Durham and Duke, but those are two different worlds, okay? <laughs> two different worlds there. They've crossed over to another side where the Jews are, if, ex if at all, a small minority. After all, there's a large uh, group of swine being cared for there, pigs, which are unclean for the Jewish people. 
And there they are. They encounter here two men. Uh, one is the one that d- does a lot of the speaking and he gets top press in the other gospels. And the demons say who are possessing them, what do we have to do with you, son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? And then, you know, said, do something. And he sends them into the swine and, and the swine go crazed and go across the hill and into the deep. Now, some of you are thinking, yep, they were demon-possessed. And some of you are thinking, were they just kind of crazy? But regardless, they believed they were demon-possessed, okay? They believed it. It was a reality to them and their community. For these men, they are cut off and they are crazed. In a manner of speaking, they've been sent to the attic. They're away from society. And above all, just above all, for practical purposes, they're just alone and away from it all. But now they are healed, and they are brought back to this world. Now the people of the community asked Jesus and company to just leave. Mark's gospel says there were about 2,000 pigs. That was probably the combined herds of several people, if not the entire community. So he's messed with their economics, and they just want whoever this person is, could you just take it, take your act to another town? But also, there's something to think about is that you've got these people that are healed. Before, they knew what to do with them. They're crazed. You leave them over here. We don't have to deal with them. But now they're in their right minds. What do we do with them now? How do we relate to these people? Basically, they've been given a new normal knowing what to do, how to relate. And when a person is healed, for those around that person, don't always know how to relate. A pattern sometimes when a a person goes into AA, goes into rehab, is that there is a time for family therapy for those in the family system. And often, not always, but often those in the family system have to learn the hard way that they've got to change the way they operate, not to make the environment fertile for the person caught up in the addiction. They've got to adjust to a new normal themselves, and sometimes that is the biggest challenge. Or one man shared about his son's drug rehab program, and he and his family, the the two other children, had gone to it, and the, the son was coming on the other side, and he was shared with a group about the program And he said he talked with the director and said that the best success rate comes when the kid gets it and the family gets it of how to do things differently. I mean, it's 90% plus rate of recovery, ongoing recovery. But sometimes the kid gets it, but the family does not. And the kid goes back to the home, but without the new support system, and the chance of success drops significantly. But the interesting thing is this, that if the kid doesn't really get it on the front end, but the family does, and they change their way of relating, helping to create a new normal at home, the success rate goes back up, not as high if both get it, but higher than if the kid gets it and the family doesn't. It actually makes more of an impact if the family gets it. In a sense, it's a matter of creating a new normal. Mark's gospel gives us more detail on this story 
And it reports here, uh, and it says in chapter 5, that the man comes back to Jesus and wants to accompany him. He's in his right mind. He's been healed. He's happy. And he wants to follow him. And Jesus says, go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. He is one of the first evangelists. Interesting where he ended up. We have an opportunity to see a new normal created. Today, ponder it. Regardless of where you stood over the past year, in many respects, I think the, the image of a storm is accurate. For some people, the storm started last summer. For some, it, it happened over the months. And for some, it was rocky and calm and rocky and calm. But it was a storm in many respects. And regardless of how you voted on April 19th, I'm sure more than one person felt like the boat teetered and tottered and the waves were coming over the front. And you may have even wondered, Lord, do you see us down here? And in the months that followed, it's been a bit of a storm, not as rocky maybe at other points, but it's still been a one. But tomorrow, we're going to be on dry land. May 24th, concluding that congregational meeting, I became moderator of the session, that's with a capital M, and acting head of staff, that's with a capital A, H, and S. But midnight tonight, I turned back into a pumpkin. And Reverend Alvis comes into the office to assume those positions as head of staff and as, as moderator so think about it that way. Tomorrow, even if things are a little stormy for you personally, think of it tomorrow, we come on dry land. What the challenge will be is an opportunity to create a new normal in the months ahead, to see something new come to pass, really in the next year or two. I said earlier, I encourage if you do not get one of these flyers or, or folded pieces uh, on Wednesday night, I encourage you to come down again and get them. Many people enjoyed the list of helpful hints of how to help the interim succeed and adjust. But also, there's a bit on the cover here. I'm not going to pronounce this. Some of you all heard me on Wednesday night. I kind of killed the pronunciation, so I'm not going to do that on television. But um, it is referenced here. There's a bowl and there's some gold in it and some pieces. And this is an artwork or type of art. And it says to repair with gold. That's what it means in Japanese. The art of repairing pottery with gold or silver, silver lacquer, and understanding that the piece is more beautiful for having been broken. In the months ahead, something new will be put together. It will be similar and yet different. You've been through the storm. You've come on land. The new normal may seem very uncomfortable and uneasy. 
But remember who is with us on that journey. Now, I know for some of you gathered here, other storms have taken place in your life, and they are right now at the forefront. What's been going on in the life of the church is kind of a blip on the screen in terms of other dynamics. And my heart and prayer is with you too as you seek to get to the other side. And a reminder, I want to remind that uh, you may be in the boat, but Jesus is there with you too. That's what somebody told me this morning. He said, it's good to know I'm not in that boat alone. I preached my first sermon, June 7th, a first solo sermon of this interim, interim period, and I ended that sermon with a prayer. And I want to end this sermon with that same prayer today as we look ahead, land on shore, and begin to see the new normal, to see the new work of art that's created. Let us pray. Lord, we don't particularly feel like praying, but here we are. And your word says that we should always pray and not faint. And we feel like fainting, so we'd better pray. Your word also says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning us. So while we are in this, we choose with our wills to thank you for what we are going through together, even though we don't fully understand our struggles. Thank you for your promise that all things, including this, will work together for good to those who love you, and we do, and who are called according to your purpose, and we are. And you also said that in you there is no darkness at all, and so we ask you to shed light on our paths and give us wisdom and understanding. We claim your victory over Satan in our lives, and we pray for the oneness you want us to have. And Lord, your word says that we are in the process of being conformed to the image of Christ. We ask you now not to stop with us until you are finished. And even though it is painful, we want you to carry on your work in our lives to accomplish your purpose. Amen. Let us now stand and say we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.